Hey everybody, uh, Brandon here with Pastor Simon McIntyre. Uh, how you doing? Thank you for jumping on, Pastor Simon. It's good Pleasure. to have you here. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Simon oversees C3 Americas. Uh, my first recollection of Pastor Simon uh, <laughs> was the very first C3 conference we ever went to. Uh, yes. would have been over a decade now. Uh, and we, we, we saw for the very first time bobblehead Jesus. <laughs> uh, and that was my introduction and it was so refreshing, uh, so fun, so irreligious, uh, and yet so life-giving and Jesus centered and Holy Spirit. And it was just all of it together. And I never knew that could happen. Uh, and so it was for me and for everyone that we brought was such a life-giving thing and, and to watch you from afar. And obviously at times we've gotten to hang out, it's been always such an amazing thing to to hear the way you teach and talk about faith and Jesus and and even life in ministry. It's been such an encouragement to Meredith and I. Uh, you and Pastor Val uh, have been such a blessing to us just recently. So I'm super glad you're jumping on with us uh, to talk about this after midnight series we've been in, the, the, the season of Easter, not the day yes. or just a weekend, but the season of Easter on the church calendar uh, where we spend uh, several weeks talking about the death, burial, and resurrection, which is what the apostles ended up talking almost exclusively about uh, post the resurrection. And so we've really enjoyed this. Now, the, the reason we're calling it after midnight is because when we were preparing for it, the verse that stood out was John 20, and it was Mary that was going to the tomb. Uh, while it was still dark. Uh, now, the Sabbath had come and gone. She had waited a day. They weren't allowed to go out at the time. So they that morning, she comes as early as she can, shows up. The tomb is empty. And she thinks someone has stolen Jesus. And um, and she, it, 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 to me, struck me that while it was still dark, um, Jesus had already risen. And that the disciples were probably anxiously, uh, worriedly sitting and waiting for their doom, for their demise, because they just watched their rabbi, their savior, the one that they were following, die. And not just die, but be crucified. And they thought maybe they were next. Uh, so here they are with anxiety, maybe sleepless nights, a couple of sleepless nights, and worried about what the future looks like, worried about all that had gone on. Everything was over. It was finished and done. And meanwhile, Jesus is, uh, is walking through the garden. And uh, and so it struck us that even that the resurrection applies so well and maybe more so in these moments where we feel like all things are done, that all things are dead and finished and over. And um, and so I just wanted to jump on with you and have this conversation. I know some of the things that you walk through, the experiences you've had. And one of the phrases that gets tossed around when we talk about a difficult season, difficult moments is that it's a beautiful phrase, but it's um, but it's also a. Uh, it's a tough phrase because it, it the, the dark night of the soul, that there's a moment where we hit in life, uh, and there may be multiple midnight moments we hit in life where where our soul, not just the, the circumstances in the exterior, but the interior of our lives, it reaches a moment where we're not sure what's next, and we don't see a way out, and we don't see the, the light at the end of the tunnel or the sun over the horizon. We are just surrounded by difficulty or challenge. And so I wanted to ask you, and really, we're just going to dive right in um, uh, about how you walk through these midnight moments, these dark nights of the soul, these, as we've all walked through over the last year, on top of normal life 
being difficult. You, you layer on top of that uh, the pandemic and obviously in America, some of the social injustice that we've walked through, the things that we're processing as a nation Yes. Um, and working through. So there's these, all these layers for all of us that we're walking through. And I think it needs to be talked about. How do you walk through these moments where you can't see uh, where there is the dark night of the soul, you feel like everything's done. Meanwhile, Jesus is at work. How do you handle these kind of seasons and moments? Yeah, that's a good question. Do you know, I think it's important to realize, Brandon, and by the way, delightful to speak with you. I've equally enjoyed watching your journey, yours and Meredith's journey as well. And, you know, we obviously know your mum and dad, Paul and Judy, and then your, your grand old granddad. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the famous Mr. Mr. Cole. Yeah. Um, do you know, a couple of thoughts I have before we launch into it. One is that um, it's very easy to read the scriptures like metaphors or moral lessons. Mm. And so we see that, you know, that this such and such happened and we take courage from it so we can find our way forward. But the important thing here is that that Christ was not far from her and he actually was risen. So it's not a it's not a sort of a, a spiritual metaphor of how to drag yourself through a dark moment. It's actually um, we have the we have the the risen Christ, who who is with us yeah. in the worst of our moments, even when we are not conscious of His presence. And I think it's more that's what describes the dark night of the soul. It's where you're in a season where you literally, like like Mary and the others, they literally just couldn't see. The yeah. presence of Christ, it, he 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 seemed to have abandoned them. Yeah. And you know, when you read the mystics, that's what they'll say that the dark night of the soul is like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's very real. Um, right. And we always read the back end. We we always we've read the we've read the last chapter of the book, so we know that he's with us. But I, I think, and my thought, and I've I've taken notes as a good boy, said, how do we handle what some have called the dark night of the soul? Well, I, I think, frankly, we don't. That's the yeah. point. We don't handle it. And that's why it's called the dark night of the soul. <laughs> Otherwise, it would be called the sort of the dusk or the dawn yeah. where there is light available. But in the dark night of the soul, we don't handle it. And I think one of the great dangers, Brandon, in Western thinking, American and, and European and and generally the Western world, is that we sort of think we can kind of work it out with steps or processes or principles. Um, you know, the American book market, and as is the Western book market, is filled with how-to books. Right. And Christians talk the same way, how-to. Here's three chapters of how to get through a dark night. Yeah. Now, they may shed light on the fact of it, but I'm not sure they shed any light on the feeling of it. Mm. I just, I think we don't, we don't handle it. It feels hopeless. And that's why it's called a dark night. Uh, we have to remind ourselves there is the promise, there is a dawn, but while we're in the middle of it, I think we have to allow people to suffer the dark night of the soul without trying to turn the light on for them mm. or mm. trying to heal it for them. And my only, my only advice is just keep walking. Yeah. Keep going. Don't 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 do foolish or disastrous things. Keep walking, but otherwise, there's there's no there's no um, simple savior to this issue. Yeah, 
It's uh, and and nobody has found out yet how to get through it without it being a dark night. Then it wouldn't be a dark night. Nobody's bought the perfect lamp or uh, figured out that uh, how to recreate the sun. Yeah, well, it's um, like forty-two steps to divine guidance. Yeah. Well, how does that help me? One step's enough. Right, and maybe and maybe you're maybe that is what you're onto there is that you the you know it's the old adage of Psalm twenty-three that you walk through the valley that there is a valley to not deny it to not try to act as though it is not there uh i, I read some the this quote that i put in our our series as we've chatted through it was the dark night of the soul comes just before revelation that, that there's almost as as though you if you try to run from it you may actually be running from um what is happening in that moment where there's certain things being peeled away or things that um that you need to walk through or or grow from but even then I, I i hesitate to even use the word need to walk through uh it's not well, forced on you you know yeah, but you have to. yeah that to, to keep to keep walking that's right um, to keep you know to know the good shepherd Do you know it might have been someone like um winston churchill who said um it, what he said if you're going through hell don't stop Right, right. I, and, I think that's know, so always, important. Yeah, we always attribute that to some great Christian speaker, but I think it was Churchill. <laughs> yeah. Leaving, well, we all like leaving. to. Anyway, yep. Yeah, no, well, we all like to tag who said it last, you know, uh, whoever said it most recently. Um, and, and maybe that, that leads into the next question. What, what do we miss if we rush past... Um, rush past these moments if we if we you know it's it's interesting that jesus died when he did um that 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 there was a sabbath between that these disciples were going to have to at least according to the religious law of the day to sit in their grief at the very least for a day seven days of, of ritual mourning but but at the very least for a day and sit and wait for jesus resurrection to know and they because they didn't fully understand it's why they were so blown away when he was gardening <laughs> when she thought it was the yeah. gardener wow. uh, what do we what do we miss when we kind of try to speed that process and and or speed up that moment or or run past it um what do we miss in those moments yeah look um i think number one i don't know if we can speed it up yeah because the frustration yeah because there are genuine rhythms in our soul that you have to walk through for them to either resolve or to be healed mm. or to realize that nothing's going to change at the moment. Yeah. So I think what we miss is we miss deepening a connection with God via that raw, real and confusing moment. And so if, if um, it's like anything, um, in physical exercise, if you don't go through the well, I don't, what do they call it, the tearing of the muscle and the right. rebuilding, then you actually don't come out stronger. Right. So if you if you do something less than its kind of allotted time, then you'll come out weaker, not stronger. And so I think that we miss that sense of, like the Psalms, you know, most Psalms, especially the Psalms that deal with the dark night, they, they start up here, they descend and then most of them resolve. 
there's only one psalm that's bad at the start and bad at the end. Mm-hmm. But that, that's in there for a good purpose because we need to know that sometimes some, some bad things go on for a long time yeah. and they aren't easy to resolve. The, the only thing we have to resolve is our connection to Christ and yeah. to God's word. So I think what we miss, we miss a deep enriching desire and desperation for God yeah. because that's all you've got left. Yeah. And even when people say, I just don't believe in you anymore, it's hilarious that they're still talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I always, find, I always find the atheist position untenable. I don't believe in God. Or why would you even Quit go talking about him. Yeah. So um, so I think that that's we, we miss we miss something of the the hand of God upon us that will deepen his work in us mm. and, and give us a deeper resilience. Mm. So most of the things that we come out of, and we do come out of most things, is that we come out with a deeper richness about Christ, about God's mercy, about God's love. I mean, for instance, you could go and listen to Rick Warren's story of how he he walked through the darkness of the, the suicide of his own son. Mm. And he never tried to to make it sound like it was anything less than a suicide. Yeah. But that's a very dark moment for a parent. But but as he come he comes through it, he comes out a deeper, richer human being, but at a great cost. I think if we stay too long though, once the thing's over, if we stay too long trying to process it, we become cynical. Mm-hmm. And but questioning, Brandon, isn't cynicism. Questioning's normal. Anger is normal. Um, finding a, a space to really let it go with to the Lord is normal. Yeah. But what's not normal is is a deepening cynicism and, and a hatred eventually toward what God is doing. And I think that's where we lose perspective and people lose faith. Yeah. So live through it. Let it do its work. But to the best of your ability, don't become embittered by it. Yeah. Because that's not the work of the Spirit. So that's my immediate and it makes me think of no, I think it's brilliant. I think that the the extremes of either side is to say one, you deny it, don't wrestle with it, and that's untenable, it doesn't maintain. And then the other is to only do deal with it, only sit in it, never leave it. Uh, and that is untenable and unmaintainable. You can't keep there either. That no. that both both you've got to be willing to walk through uh that valley. And you said this phrase of I don't believe in you anymore. And there I think to some degree, some of these dark nights are the opportunities to believe in Christ again in a new way Absolutely. and to see new things about, you know, it's, it is Mary seeing the gardener instead of Jesus. I don't think that's accidental. No. Um, I think that's intentional that, that, that she thought the gardener had misplaced Jesus is sort of funny, but also that, that the gardener, the one who created the earth, who planted that the gardener, the one who was going to plant a new kingdom and that the, the tree would grow and that all could find rest in it. That's, that's a beautiful thing to find in your desperation a new name for the Savior as the gardener, is the one who's going to. And, and so we see new things about Jesus. And you said this, that growth, the way Paul talks about it is maturity and, and to grow in Christ. And um, it is such an important thing for us to, to, to kind of grow in. And I've seen this just even in our journey the last couple of years is just a, a new revelation of who um Christ is 
for for you walking through some of the things you've walked through, and I'll allow you to kind of share a bit of your story if you feel you want to. But what what has allowed you to to keep walking, as you've mentioned, to kind of keep step after step making the next move, making the next thing? I'm, I'm, my guess is that you haven't always done it perfectly. That it hasn't always been one step a day. Or again, it, it's it, grief is not a linear process, or some of those things. But but what has allowed you over this se- these seasons and different moments? to um to keep clinging to jesus to to Uh, keep looking for him yeah that's just before i do that you know it's amazing that um in that particular gospel story when they before they saw christ in weakness Hmm. and in, in in the crucifixion and after that that while it was still dark night they saw the resurrected Son of God hmm. eventually was received back up and to the to the presence of the Father. It's yeah. amazing that they went in with um, a one view of Jesus, but they came out with a better view of Jesus. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but that takes time, and that's more you look back and you realize that. But the um, the things that have helped me, and I, I scribbled them down the other day because it's a really good um, question. One of the things that helped me was uh, I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, this hasn't happened to me as some peculiar um, juncture in history that's never happened to anybody else. I know that people have suffered less than me and people have suffered far worse than me. Um, I said to a pastor recently who has been having some difficult days, I said, look, this is not going to make your day better, but it may fortify your spirit a little bit. I said, mm-hmm. most pastors are going through at very tough times most right now throughout the Western world. Mm. Very few have not been deeply affected by what they thought were faithful people just literally disappearing. Yeah. And he said that helps me because he realized you're not alone in grief or dark nights. Secondly, I thought scripture, reading the Bible, I know that sounds kind of pretty obvious, reading the Bible helped me immensely, Brandon. Yeah. Um, the thing that I struggled with for ages after my wife died of cancer, the thing, of, and that was a five-year journey, mm-hmm. and after after her death, um, the thing that I struggled with was prayer because mm-hmm. prayer is me having to admit what I feel. Or, do you know, it's something, I, I can't say that I ever deeply thought she would be healed. So I don't, I'm not walking around with sort of a, a sort of an unresolved dissatisfaction in me. The fact that she died was awful. She was far too young to die. And if you're going to choose someone to die, not her, please. Right, right. Me or someone else, but not her. Right. So um, reading it, but the reading the scripture kept me in, in the spirit in that sense. Yeah. Whereas prayer took me a long time to regain. Yeah. And I never felt bad about that because I knew that others were praying for me. And there's a season where your prayers um, almost become nothing, but others' prayers become everything. Mm. So I found reading the Bible, and after that time, my appreciation of the scriptures went up and it's never been lessened. And so mm. the, the, the next thing which I found really helpful is I wrote um, after her death, Within a few months, I started to write all my thoughts about the process of her death, what what it means to me and the family, um, and I asked questions in writing, and I and I've got that diary. I wrote about ninety pages, and it's a diary I've kept for over 
11 years now, and it's in my safe. And mm. one day I'm going to get it out and put it into a book form about, um, and you know what, it may only be fascinating to my family. It, but I thought, but writing the journey is a really big deal. Yeah. And people say, oh, I'm not a writer. Forget about that. At this moment, you need to be one. Yeah. So it's, it's like there's a, and I read that book through and I, and I go sometimes, and I know this sounds a bit odd, wow, did I write that? That's a bit deep, Simon. Yeah. I, I found that there are different ways to release tension. Prayer, reading scripture, writing. These are ways that articulate the soul. And you've got to articulate the soul in dark moments so that you don't, your soul doesn't fester and become blocked and locked. And that's yeah. a way that released it for me. The last thing I thought, which was just the obvious, is that's where your community matters mm. immeasurably. Um, so I, I avoid isolation. People that isolate do themselves damage. Even though I didn't feel like being around people all the time, I made sure I was around people because when I wasn't around them, I would just feel grief. Yeah. And it, like it just grind through my system. But yeah. when I was with people, it always disappeared. So I, 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 that's why it's not just your family and your friends, it's God's church. I, I, we, I never stopped going to God's church and worshipping with the saints yeah. and hearing the word of God preached and yeah. wishing the preacher would not be so buoyant and we should just shut up for a minute or mm -hmm. whatever the case. But that all really helped me. Yeah. So they, were, they are my most obvious steps of the way through. Also, by the way, um, Jesus is praying for us. Yep. The high priest is praying for us. And we forget yep. that he's he's praying not just through us, but he's praying for us. Yeah. That's, I think tomorrow will be uh, for us here. I think you may. No, you're not in it yet. So uh, tomorrow is Ascension. Uh, this weekend we'll be talking about the Ascended Christ, the, the seat at the right hand, praying for us. Yes. Uh, and it and we don't think of those realities often. We don't always kind of really live in that place where, I, you know, it's like I pray for my kids. They don't know that. I, and they probably don't appreciate, <laughs> appreciate it no. uh, as much as they should. <laughs> but but I pray for my kids. Yes. Um, the stories of my grandfather and my great grandmother being down the street when he goes to a Bible study and gets saved being in the back of a car, praying over him. Wow. Um, those things that we don't always know about. Yeah. Because you're right. There's times where we don't know what to pray and the Holy Spirit, right? Whether it be the moaning and groaning or whether it be just the Holy Spirit expressing, it is, is, it's so important for us to understand the reality of God's great desire for us to know him and to know how who we are in his creation and maturity in him. You you said something about reading. And I, I, two things that struck me uh, you, there. One is your community. The one thing I've admired about um, C3 and the leadership and, and you and Pastor Phil and Chris and others is that relational element that you, you guys have been through it. I'm sure you guys have just always been in love with each other. You always never have gotten in a fight, never been mad at each other. But you guys have stayed in community and in friendship and relationship. Dream on, kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but to see that is unique. And But it is so powerful. And even in, like you said, going to church, not in a one-on-one -on -one table setting, but a am with the saints who all are bringing to this place 
the good than the bad, the difficult yeah. and the easy. And we're all fixing our eyes upon Jesus, which is what the Hebrews 12, Hey, you're surrounded, yeah. keep going, take off yeah. the burden and the sin, which I personally believe are two different things and, and fix your eyes on Jesus. When you see what he's been through, you'll know you can do this. Like he yeah. is working in you. And we always, I always make the joke in here. I don't know if there, it is where you are, but the, the Snickers commercial about handing your friend to Snickers because you're not being yourself. And you do need those people in your life who will go, hey, th this is not who you are. This is this is a difficult season. This is some of those things. But the other one was when you said reading scripture, were there moments in this, in some of these journeys where reading scripture as much as it was helpful was also challenging where you're reading certain promises or, you know, kind of like that buoyant preacher where some of these life-giving, hopeful, joyful scriptures, and you're going, but I'm not that right now. Um, no, 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 how no, do you that? Look, I'm, I'm, I was old enough when these things happened to yeah. those things didn't bother me. Okay. I, don't, I don't look at the Bible as a book of promises. Okay. I think it's a very weak way to look at the scriptures. Is mm -hmm. that like promises that you kind of pull out for your need at various moments? Yeah. Clearly the, the Bible is full of remarkable promises. But no, it didn't really bother me because... I've always been steeped in an understanding of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And it's like the Mosaic law says this, you do this and this happens. But the remarkable thing about, and Proverbs is the same. Proverbs is not a book of promises. People, people read it as if it's not a book of promises. It's a book of likelihoods. Mm. More than likely, these things happen. And, um, but when you look at Job and Ecclesiastes, and the Psalms, you're not dealing with simple answers. You're not dealing with A plus B equals AB. You're dealing with A plus B equals minus D. Right. Or, or not even a letter in the alphabet. So I've always been aware that the, the kind of neat, tied up, kind of charismatic view of life is, is it's unbiblical and ultimately untenable. I've watched people that have made the book the Bible promises for their for, for their present need more than anything else. And I don't know that they last the race because right. they get disappointed in God who didn't fulfill their will. Right. And so I also realized, Brandon, that as you get older, you pray, your kingdom come, your will be done in me, in this city or whatever, as it is in heaven. God's not interested in my happiness or my fulfillment. He's interested in his kingdom and the proclamation of Christ and the living out of that, and where that intersects with happiness, fantastic. But where it doesn't, I'm not the loser. Right. Oh, man. So, I, you know, it's, it, I've always thought, and I know we have other questions, but the, the Holy Spirit being called the comforter, to me, should give us reason to understand, oh, I'm going to need that. that, that I'm going to need comforter. I'm going to need one who, and, and, and so the pursuit of, happiness is fine but it it you know it is we grow up in the disney world culture where everything resolves so there's a nice tidy bow and i don't i'm not against that i think the confession of our faith should be the future kingdom of heaven it totally. should be those professions but it doesn't mean a denial of where mm. we currently reside and what and even the psalms is the psalms of for many of not all of them but many of them are a psalm for exiles to read and pray through after the 
after the losing of something. And yeah. So pre and post temple. And, and so this idea that we are people who have to have this confession because we do go through difficult. We have to have the Holy Spirit because we will go through difficult things. You know, Mer Meredith, Pastor Meredith, just, my wife just preached this message about abiding. Here's Jesus saying, don't stop abiding in me. Mm. Why is he saying that? Because he knows that when he ascends, that they're, you're going to walk through, don't leave me. That's right. I'm with you. Remain. Yeah. And I think people have to give themselves permission to have bad days too. Yeah. You know, you're, you're well aware of, but, but I'm not sure if all our listeners will be, or viewers, um, that there's this wonderful principle in the New Testament called now and not yet. Yeah. Which means that the promises of God are not yet fully realized. And the, and the reign of Christ is not yet complete. And we know that because death has not been yet put under his feet. Yeah. And so that um, there are promises that we see now. We see, uh, we see remarkable things. We see some healings that stagger us. I, I remember talking to a friend whose mother was miraculously healed of the same cancer as my wife had when she was on her last dying days in hospital. And mm -hmm. he walked into the hospital and he prayed for her and commanded her to get well. And she, the family were all there because she was dying and they were very upset at him. And mm -hmm. she got the next, she was out of hospital within two or three days, totally healed. So, you know, mm -hmm. that's what you live with. But that yeah. was that was a now. My wife's was a not yet. And you just live with that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I know that the faith yeah. preachers don't like this stuff because their their world is very neat and tight and tidy but the average person is not their life is never neat and tidy yeah and and there's no you've got to have room for the soul to breathe otherwise you'll be less than human yeah and i think well, we all know that christ the holy spirit makes us more human than we've ever been before yes I, I think part of what ends up making our soul, uh, there's a great book I read years ago by John Ortberg where really he's profiling his relationship with Dallas Willard. And it's, it's, a, it's called Soul Keeping. And one of the things he talks about is that, that the soul is all things coming together, integrating the, the mind, will, body. I think one of the things we do a disservice to people is when we don't acknowledge circumstance, don't acknowledge trial, don't acknowledge difficulty, they the, their soul disintegrates because they can't reconcile what's happening with what they're confessing with what they're supposed to be praying with what and and you know i think that's part of where we lose it is we don't allow like you said let, allow the soul to breathe and there is that like you just said the story of those who walk in and pray and and things happen but it is the now and not yet the resurrection that's soon coming and the resurrection that has happened and and where those things collide in in our life so bringing it back to resurrection easter time uh really thinking about how jesus's resurrection applies in the midnight moments of our life um and how we hold on to that how would you kind of talk to this idea that the resurrection of christ um helps us guys how does the resurrection apply to our darkest moments and our most difficult moments? I think it's the final assurance hmm. that because he was raised from the dead to and to live with the Father, the right hand of the Father, that's our assurance hmm. so that his resurrection um, helps me see beyond the immediacy of my pain or my circumstance to that 
there is a day, not just of reckoning, but a day of ultimate reconciliation of all things to God and, and also the resurrection of the body. We will never in this body be able to carry the glory of God properly. Yeah. We will never in this body be free of, of the things, you know, Paul said, though, though I perish outwardly, um, yet on my inner man, I'm being renewed day by day. So his outer appearance would have been quite horrific sometimes because of his beatings and stonings. Mm -hmm. so part of the reason people found him difficult to deal with, I think, is just because of the way he looked. I tell you mm -hmm. what, he wouldn't be on any Christian television programs right. because uh, they, do, they wouldn't have had the makeup to do, deal with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, being, I'm being a little bit facetious. Yeah. yeah. So that's part of it. Um, but remembering, too, that he said, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. So, so he has gone through that. And he said, why? And when he said, why have you forsaken me? He didn't do it to fulfill a scripture. In doing it, he did fulfill a scripture, but he did it because he thought God had forsaken him. Hmm. Because it seems for a season there, for a moment, that the father's, there's, there's nothing that says this explicitly, but it seems that the father's presence was withdrawn or he couldn't feel it or it was so dark because of the sin he was bearing there was just simply a gap between him and god and the perfect fellowship that he had always experienced so that that's what we experience the same um but then the resurrection also it's about the faithfulness of god by the power of the holy spirit it's romans 1 talks about the, the holy spirit raising christ the spirit of holiness raising jesus so we have this sense of god's faithfulness in the resurrection of Jesus is the promise of my walking through my bleak and dark days and then out eventually into full bodily resurrection. And also he never decayed. So our relationship with God need never decay mm. and never go sour or rotten um, or whatever that may be. So we will go through it, but we will come out of it. Yeah, that's and it's, it is encouraging. I, I think, uh, you know, as I was preparing for the Ascension um, talk this Sunday is that that his his posture in Luke is one of of hands raised and blessing, and that there's there's some who would say that that posture never changed, that his desire is to we now we obviously we misconstrue this word blessing, but this this idea that Jesus is in this posture towards his people always it, it's the psalmist cry right that you you have turned your face toward me. You have inclined your ear to hear me. You, those who look upon you will be radiant in their face. Their joy will be made complete. That's even Jesus' promise. Your joy will be made complete if you remain in me. And that's an interesting thing. You just mentioned this about Paul, right? The outward decay, but this inward renewal. Totally. And maybe that's where we tend to flip it. We keep looking for this outward renewal, and we, we let the inside so often decay. We let it kind of come apart based solely upon good or bad kind of circumstances. And maybe God is up to something in our renewal and has a much longer picture of what we're doing. The promise is that, that what he started in you, he will finish even into, into the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means that we've always got something he's doing in us. I mean, that's, yeah. that just he never must, really stops. One of the things I think that I've gained through this, and I think any, all of us do, is that when you watch somebody going through a difficult time, you're able to look at it with almost a smile and say to yourself, you'll be all right. Mm. And I know that it sounds trite, but there's very little 
that people won't be all right about. It'll be you'll be all right. Yeah. So when you know I've been helping a, a pastor through some very bleak days recently, and one of my quiet messages is that it's this is not going to knock you out of the race. People yeah. face tough things within their personality, within their physical bodies. People face stresses and fears. But because I've been through stuff, it's like, you'll be all right. Yeah. And I think that's probably the Holy Spirit's a bit like that. You'll be okay. I yeah. know this is tough, but the pain of the dentist doesn't last all, all your life. Yeah, It's dealt with, you move on. The pain of anything broken in your body, it, it heals. Yeah. The loss, even the deepest, worst losses can have redemptive life come to them. Yeah. And that's that's the glory of being in Christ, is that we're we're part of the all things being reconciled spirit. And uh and I look at people who you know they think, oh, I'm falling to pieces, I my ministry's over, I can't so no, you're fine, you're fine. Yeah. This yeah. is not abnormal. You'll have some bad days, you might not even sleep better tonight, but you're gonna be okay. Yeah. And I think that's the the comfort of the spirit to people. You'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, man, I love this and I, I, I want to kind of wrap it up with letting you have any final thoughts that you, you touched on this, the question thing early on. And it, and it makes me think of what you're, you're saying here is some of, some of our greatest frustrations. Um, if we could almost not always, sometimes we just need to walk through it, but turn some of those frustrations into questions. We've been so taught that we can't question that we just leave them in frustration. And yet, Thomas's question about Jesus actually gave, gave us a greater revelation of who he is. I mean, even his question about, I don't know where we're going. Oh, well, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That question from Thomas gave us one of the most quoted scriptures of all time. It's those questions that start with the frustration. I don't know where you're going. How are we supposed to know? Oh, well, let me tell you, I am. It's me. I'm the way. And so allowing in these midnight moments, the questions, they're okay. Like God is a, he's a father. That's right. He's, he's a parent. He's one that leans close and says, I, I understand your question. Cause I, yeah. And I, I just so appreciate you taking the time. Is there any kind of last word or last thought um, or even something maybe we didn't get to cover that you want to leave people with as we, as we end this combo? Um, no, I think, well, you know, I think the questions that you laid out were very helpful and, um, you know, gave me time to ponder. Um, I, I would finish on don't, don't, become, don't become a victim of a poor theology mm. that doesn't allow you to question, doesn't allow you to have tough days. Mm. A, a friend of mine once said to me, I, um, I had a heart attack when I was 40 years old. It was a very serious one. I had to have a triple bypass. And wonderfully, I've lived almost totally normal since, which mm. a lot of people don't. Um, but this friend said to me, you're angry with God, aren't you? But he meant it like you should stop being that. But I, I thought, yeah, I am. I am. Because my Christian philosophy was A plus B equals AB. My Christian philosophy mm -hmm. was if I live right to the best of my ability, I don't think I'm, you know, in myself wholly. But if I live right and I do the right things, then good will come of that because that's the flow of, say, the book of Proverbs. Do this, do that, and this is the outcome. 
And then what we've done is we've made that not just a likelihood, we've made it an absolute, which it's not. Mm. So I think mm. I lived with that. And then when I went through that heart attack, it was like, well, I did everything right and you didn't look after me. And so I, I was angry and I probably was angry for a few years. And, and when he said it, I never said it back because it was a pointless discussion. But I thought, yeah, I am. You know, too flipping right I am. But there's a reason for it. And I have to walk through the reason. Yeah. But questions are not bad. What's bad is, is if it becomes toxic and yeah. hateful. That's right. the problem. But I, I tell you what, Brandon, I've said it on this, this, this chat with you, that not to do that will be equally toxic. Yeah. Because yeah. you back up in your system, uh, and it's where people often, a businessman, have heart attacks. They're so full of stress and so full of fear and anger that one day their whole body just goes bang. Yeah. But if they had taken advice, if they had brought the temperature down, if they had not thought that business was what life is all about, or just a few, then they would have got into a tough moment with more resilience. And I think if we don't process that stuff and walk through it, we will we will explode like they do. Yeah. Wow. So ask the questions. Tell people I'm struggling right now. Yeah. And and also when they talk to you like that, don't try to give them all the answers. Yeah. There's a beautiful scripture, Romans 15. Rejoice with him who rejoices and weep with him who weeps. We always do it the other way around. Mm -hmm. Somebody's rejoicing, you know, we're well, what's so what's why is it so good for you? Mm. And when somebody's weeping, we try to make them feel better. Yeah. Um, my yeah. last thought, the best thing, one of the best things that ever happened to me was a gentleman in our church. When he'd heard that Helen had been diagnosed with cancer, he walked up to me, he put his arms around me, and he cried. Best advice in the world. Mm. Don't try to give everybody answers. Mm. Let them walk through the thing and, and be there. But don't be, don't, don't try to articulate an answer to make it easier. Yeah. Because it's not going to get easier. Let it, let it be. Wow. In the words of John Lennon and Paul McCartney, let it be. Let it be. Sorry, I just I don't need to sing. Uh, you know the yeah, man. Love bears all things, endures all things, right? It is. It is the. It, it is walking through and trusting the Holy Spirit in those moments. Yeah, that's that right. He is Absolutely. doing His work. Yep. And trust means to me you don't know. When I when people say trust the Lord, it means you have to because you don't know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that's normal. Oh, I love this. I feel like every. I feel like you could. We could. Go in a bunch of different directions. This has been awesome. I hope we get to do this again. I, I love kind of getting our church, at the very least, exposed to kind of some of what you're sharing as you you oversee us. You and again, uh, for Meredith and I have been such a, a huge help. You and Val, and just such an encouragement. So thankful for you taking the time to do this. Um, and if I could, uh, it just feels right, you know, especially considering when you mentioned this early that that prayer was one of the great struggles. Um, when you were walking through uh, the the loss of your wife, and but now it, you know I, I would love to kind of end with you praying, and I yeah, to some true. degree this kind of picture of of God walks this thing through with you, mountains, valleys, that that He is with us through through it all. I'd love for you to just pray over those who may be walking through kind of a midnight moment and um, processing yeah, what true. the horizon looks like. Yeah, I'd be delighted to. So, Father, we, we thank you 
for this time together. We thank you that your Holy Spirit had never um, has never disappeared from the darkest of moments, that you are, as Brandon mentioned, the comforter. And so I pray that everybody who's walking through a, a dark night, that they would feel the power of the Holy Spirit, they would feel the love of the saints, and there'd be, Lord, even in the darkest, deepest, despairing moment, there'd be this spark called hope. And not, not hope is not yeah. just a, a, um, a hope that I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. This is a hope that's inspired by your word. It's, it's as sure as the heavens. And I pray that spirit of hope that keeps us and sustains us would be in every person right now and yeah. Lord, we thank you for all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So brilliant. Loved it. Uh, I'll Pleasure. leave us with one quote. Uh, it's an unknown author, so maybe we can just give it to you or me. Uh, all things are possible after midnight. Uh, I, I do pray that hope uh, surrounds you guys. Thank you guys for watching. Yes. Thank you, Pastor Simon, for jumping on. This has Pleasure. been so good. We'll talk to you guys soon.